Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Liam. You're probably wondering, what do me and Cadbury Snack Sandwich have in common? Well, we're both wonderfully ordinary. Like right now, I'm doing some gardening and listening to my favorite radio show. How wonderfully ordinary is that? Cadbury Snack Sandwich, the purple snack. A wonderfully ordinary biscuit with just a delicious layer of Cadbury chocolate sandwiched between two shortcake squares. Available in a store near you. Hey guys, this is Maddie and Kenzie Ziegler and we have a podcast called Take 20. We want to kick back and hang out with you, but we know you're busy. So let's take 20 every week to talk, to vent, to get real. 20 minutes to catch up and talk about everything that's on our minds and yours. Listen with us for 20 minutes when you're in the car, putting on makeup, working out, cleaning your room, avoiding doing your homework. Take a break from whatever you have to do and hang out with us. Listen to Take 20 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know the final score. Now listen to the NFL podcast that tells you why it happened. Do they have a skill or trait that is going to allow them to survive? Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli, and me, Bob Wischusen. We're tapeheads going inside the coaching tape and giving fans the answers. Regardless of what the hierarchy is, folks need to be servants to the head coach. Listen to Tapeheads on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A few weeks ago, I was in Juarez, Mexico, at this place called the Hotel Fidro. It's a motel that's now being used as a clinic. In room number 118, a doctor, whose name is Lady, was giving a patient a bath. This patient had a broken clavicle, a broken arm, and a head wound. These were all injuries she suffered while trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border. Hotel Fitro serves a couple of purposes. It's a UN-backed hospital for refugees who need urgent care. Dr. Lady says a lot of people at Hotel Fitro show up with broken bones, with burns on their feet, severe injuries from days of walking through the desert, trying to cross the border. But its primary purpose is to quarantine people who are about to enter one of Juarez's migrant shelters. Buenos días. 
Every morning, Dr. Lady makes her rounds. There's a man and his wife from Mexico and Guatemala in one room. They just had a baby. In another room, there's a young Ecuadorian guy who has diabetes. And then there's a family with an infant and a little girl who's about eight. The little girl threatens to throw a pacifier at her head. Lady plays along, saying to the girl, mm. Oh, you want problems with me? And after checking on the kids, Lady moves on to the father. He has hypertension. As she's taking his blood pressure, she asks if there's any news. What she means is, is there any news about what Biden's going to do? Is he going to start letting people in? He didn't know. Lady tells me that everyone is anxious. And that's because it's not just the patients at Hotel Fitro who are seeking asylum in the U.S. Lady and the rest of the doctors are seeking asylum too. I happened to visit the clinic at a unique time, in late January 2021, when everyone here was in a similar situation. President Joe Biden had just entered office, and Dr. Lady and thousands of refugees throughout Mexico were awaiting news of their fate. the border and if they don't stop them we'll keep it close for a long time president trump sent some 6,000 u.s troops to the u.s mexico border individuals arriving in or entering the united states from mexico may be returned to mexico for the duration of their immigration proceedings the mayor of tijuana declared an international humanitarian crisis on day one, I'm sending to the United States Congress a immigration bill providing a pathway for 11 million undocumented. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zermos. And I'm Lisette Poole, a photojournalist based in Mexico City. So I'm Ariel. I'm going to be interviewing you. Um, and it's really nice to meet you. I've seen some of your photographs and I, I'm excited to talk to you about about all of this today. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. So, Lisette, let's start on the day of the inauguration. You were in the border town of Juarez, Mexico. I know that there are thousands of people who are waiting to be granted asylum in the U.S., so I can imagine that there was a lot of excitement. Yeah, there was a lot of anticipation. I went to the bridge that day where people usually cross into El Paso, and I saw a group of women from Central America. They were there with jackets and backpacks, just watching and waiting for some kind of announcement. With migration policy, things can change very quickly, sometimes within a matter of minutes, and that would affect people's entire lives. So the hope for these women was that something would be announced there at the bridge and they'd be able to cross and claim asylum in the United States. 
but eventually the sun started going down and nothing happened, so people just went home. Right. But now it seems like things might be changing. Today I'm going to sign a few executive orders to provide a safe and orderly processing of asylum seekers at the United States border. Joe Biden is president now, and he said that he's going to start making significant changes to the U.S.'s immigration policy, starting with asylum. Right. And so people are feeling hopeful, but they still have no idea what that actually means for them. You know, in Juarez alone, there are still thousands of people waiting to be granted asylum in the U.S. People like Dr. Lady. Dr. Lady. Ah, okay. The doctor who is treating patients at the Hotel Fitro. Lady and the rest of the doctors all defected from Cuba. She's been on this journey to get to the U.S. for almost three years. Buenos dias. Un poquito. <laughs> After spending some time with Dr. Lady at the Hotel Fitro, I went to her place in the quiet neighborhood she lives in. Esta sería la cocinita. Lady lives with her friend Elisa, who's another Cuban stuck in Juarez. Elisa is kind of like Lady's big sister. <laughs> they actually met in Venezuela on a humanitarian mission. Venezuela estaba muy crítico. A veces tenías el dinero y no encontrabas la comida, no encontrabas nada. They both say they were forced to work 48-hour shifts, and sometimes they didn't have enough food to eat. So they decided to defect together and try to make it to the U.S. Yo creo que no me tomó ni cinco minutos. Pues saber mi decisión, lo que iba a hacer, le dije no, yo me voy contigo. After that, they headed north. It's a 3,000-mile journey between Venezuela and the U.S. border. On their trip, they were deported from Costa Rica. They almost fell off a speedboat, and they had to cross the notorious Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama on foot. After crossing the jungle, Elisa's feet were so bad that Lady had to pull off all of her toenails. But after a month and a half, they finally made it to the U.S. border. Less than a minute after they crossed onto U.S. soil, the Border Patrol picked them up. They were taken to a detention center and then brought to the desert and put in a big tent with over 100 other women. For the first couple weeks in that tent, no one could wash or brush their teeth. Lady told me it was the worst experience of her life. But she kept her spirits up with the belief that all this suffering would end and her and Elisa would be released to family in the U.S. But that's not what happened. One week in the tents turned into four. Lady and Elisa say they were separated because they weren't family. And then, one night, Elisa and a group of other Cuban women were taken from their tent. They were told they were all being put on a bus the next morning and sent back across the border to Mexico. According to Elisa, everyone started crying. 
Elisa was confused. They thought that once they'd made it to the U.S., they'd at least get to stay until their asylum cases were figured out. But something had changed. Nos agarró la ley de para México, del MPP. They were told they'd have to wait in Mexico for their asylum cases to be reviewed. Today I am announcing historic measures to Elisa and Lady have been swept up in a new Trump administration policy they knew nothing about, the Migrant Protection Protocols. Individuals arriving in or entering the United States from Mexico illegally or without proper documentation may be returned to Mexico for the duration of their immigration proceedings. The policy was announced in late 2018, just a few months before Elisa and Lady crossed the border. This is a policy that's known as Remain in Mexico, which is considered super hardcore anti-immigration, right? Yeah, Ariel, I mean, what ended up happening was Mexico had this big humanitarian crisis on their hands. Yeah, I think 68,000 people were sent back to Mexico under MPP. So what happened to Elisa once she found out they were going to go back to Mexico? The day after Elisa was told she was being deported, she was put in a van with other Cuban women and sent back to Juarez where she was dropped off on the street. Sin zapatos, sin ropa, sin dinero, sin teléfono, sin nada. No phone, no money, nothing. They'd even gotten their shoelaces taken away. Thankfully, Lady was waiting for her. She'd been sent back to Mexico a few days before. Mexican immigration officials had given them a directory of migrant shelters, but they were all full. They didn't know anyone else in Juarez, and they didn't have a place to stay. And they only had $20 between them. Lady says that with that money, they bought some bread, a lemonade, and along with five other women, they rented a motel room for the night. The one thing they did have was their court dates in the U.S. and the promise that their asylum cases would eventually be heard. But they had no idea how long that would take. Lady says she was told she would have to wait in Mexico for six months while the U.S. processed her asylum case. So they had to find a place to live. The first place they rented in Juarez was not in the best neighborhood. They said they'd often hear gunshots at night. And one morning, a neighbor approached Elisa and told her that they'd found a dead body near her house. There's this trope of Mexico being the super violent place, right? Which isn't always fair. But in the case of migrants, they are targets here. For example, in late 2018, just a few months before Elisa and Lady were migrating to the U.S., a couple of teenage migrants in Tijuana were lured from their shelter and murdered. That's really rough. My colleagues at Vice have reported on this a fair bit, that migrants are unfortunately vulnerable to becoming these ready targets, right? People are often traveling with everything they own, they're in an unfamiliar place, and they often can't ask for help from the authorities. Yeah, 
So for Elisa and Lady, they didn't have a lot of money on them. They didn't know anyone in Mexico, and it was rough. So what happened next? They moved around Mexico, living in different places, waiting for their date before a judge. Finally, Lady's court date came up after she'd been in Mexico for seven months. Y ese día teníamos que presentarnos a las cinco de la mañana, seis, teníamos que estar en el puente. One day at five in the morning, Lady presented herself at the border. U.S. authorities put her on a bus into Texas. On that bus ride, the whole time, she was thinking about everything she was going to tell the judge, about defecting, about the danger she faced getting to the U.S. She'd even written down everything she wanted to say to the judge in a little book, so she wouldn't forget anything. But when it was finally time for her to go before a judge, the judge told her that this hearing was just to clarify that Lady had committed a crime by entering the country illegally. That this wasn't the time to talk about the specifics of her asylum request. And that they wouldn't get to talk about her case until another court date in the future. O sea, era bien frustrante. La situación. This is the effect of the Remain in Mexico policy. Pretty much every migrant on the southern border has had a similar experience. By the end of the Trump administration, about 70,000 migrants were sent back to Mexico via the MPP program. Thousands probably returned home, but tens of thousands stayed in Mexico, awaiting court dates, mostly in border towns. Asylum seekers have faced violence and persecution while waiting in Tijuana. There are people that are camping out on the banks of the river. These people are living in absolutely filthy conditions. There are very few attorneys that are uh, willing to actually come into Mexico because of the, the level of dangerousness. They have few resources, no running water at times, and they're vulnerable there. I would imagine that that's a frustrating process to have gone through. Totally. It's incredibly bureaucratic. And then once the pandemic hit, the U.S. stopped processing cases altogether. And so that's why people were so hopeful with the election. Right, because Biden promised to end Remain in Mexico. But with tens of thousands of people waiting in these border towns during a pandemic, where do you even begin? Since taking office, President Biden has said no more people will be put into NPP. But the people who are already in the program, they're stuck. That's after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Fancy changing job or trying a new career? Data is at the center of everything we do. From providing critical services to the front line to delivering the latest news and entertainment into hands and homes all over the world. All of this is made possible because of the data center industry, one of the world's fastest growing industries. At Host in Ireland, our partners have a wide range of jobs available, from engineers to project managers, electricians to technicians. To find your next job, visit the jobs page at hostinireland.com. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. We're back. So, Lisette... Before the break, we heard this story about a couple of Cuban refugees stuck in Mexico waiting to get into the U.S. How common is that? When I visited Juarez, I found a lot of Cubans. There's a Cuban guy on the corner selling pants. A quarter of all asylum seekers in Juarez are from Cuba. You can tell he's Cuban. He's wearing shorts and these black stretch pants, which is sort of a stereotypical... Caribbean person living in the cold weather kind of vibe. Why are there so many Cubans in Juarez? I've followed Cuban migration for years now. You know, my family is Cuban. All of my family members have gone to the United States in different ways. And most of the migrants that I met would make their decisions by getting on Facebook and chatting with friends and figuring out where they were. And a lot of the Cubans I spoke to in Juarez had decided to go there because they knew they could rent apartments, obviously find work. But correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't the U.S. give a lot of special privileges to to Cuban refugees? Why are so many Cubans seeking asylum in this way? Yeah, Cubans used to have this special privilege, a policy called wet foot, dry foot. And it meant basically if you could make it onto U.S. soil, you'd be allowed to stay. Then, in 2017, President Obama repealed this policy just before he left office. But even though that policy was taken away, Cuban asylum seekers still flock to the border. So now Cubans who are trying to get into the United States are finding ways to get by in these border towns, just like everyone else caught up in MPP. So I'm in Juarez, and we are in the centro right now. The centro of Juarez is really chaotic. There's people everywhere. I started to notice where I could see Cuban people that had been living there. I could recognize like a reggaeton song that was definitely from Cuba, playing from a cell phone shop. And you can just hear this Cuban accent. It's really thick. This 
place has become a little bit of a mecca for Cubans to come and listen to Cuban music, which we can hear in the background right now, and eat some traditional Cuban food. There's even this food truck where a Cuban guy sells popular Cuban street food. He has a blender and he's making these milkshakes out of papaya and milk. And he makes these corn fritters and he hands one out to people as they walk by just to get them hooked. The food truck has a Mexican flag on it and a Cuban flag on it. We're going up to the barber shop, which is on this really busy street. In Juarez, there's this little barber shop run by Cubans. You have to kind of duck through a few tents that are selling socks and slippers. It's really small. It looks like a converted garage, and they have five chairs inside. All the guys who work there made their way to Mexico you know, journeying through several countries. But all the customers are locals, and they love this Cuban spot. They're really happy that these guys took over the place. They go in there to get fades and lines on the side. I even saw a woman in there getting her eyebrows shaped by one of the barbers with a little razor. One of the barbers, he wears this fat Cuban link chain. He's got sleeve tattoos. One of his arms has all tattoos of barber tools. And he tells me this joke about how even when he was walking through the Darien Gap, this dangerous jungle between Colombia and Panama. He'd want to look good or else the monkeys would call him an ugly Cuban. His name is Yuri and he's got dad jokes for days. Yuri specializes in fades and he also sometimes gives this haircut called the Yankee. El Yankee. I love a good fade, but what's the Yankee? It's really short on the sides, like a buzz cut, and then long on the top and flat ironed, and then kind of hairsprayed up like Elvis Presley, but <laughs> a little bit extra, extra Elvis Presley volume. Yuri showed me this Instagram account that he started when he left Cuba. And in Cuba, you'll see guys cutting hair in doorways with little homemade setups. It's really common. So it makes sense that while he was traveling north, he figured out how to do that to make money, too. Right. Being a barber is a craft that happens to travel really well. Yuri got to Juarez a few weeks after Lisa and Lady in May of 2019. And like them, he crossed and was quickly detained and eventually sent back to Juarez to await his court date under MPP. Yuri has gone to only one court date. The rest of his court dates have been postponed like everyone else's. Still, when I saw Yuri, he said he's trying to be patient. 
como siempre aconsejan, espera, 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 que Biden va a ser, que Biden va a ser, que si van a... But Yuri says if he doesn't get his court date soon... El muro le van a poder empatar, no sé, 60 metros de alto, que yo lo voy a cruzar. He's going to jump over the wall himself, even if they make it 200 feet tall. So, can you bring me up to speed on the status of MPP or the Remain in Mexico policy at this point? The Biden administration suspended one of the most controversial Trump policies, the so-called Remain in Mexico program, officially called the Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP. So, while I was in Juarez, Biden announced that he had canceled MPP. And this was the news that everyone was waiting for. He didn't explain what that would mean for them or their asylum cases. There were no details. Then, a couple weeks later, on February 12th... Tonight, the Biden administration is allowing some asylum seekers who've been waiting at a camp in Mexico to cross into the U.S. to have their asylum requests processed. They announced they'd start letting in 300 people a day who have MPP. Okay, so this is the moment that a lot of people in Juarez have been waiting for, right? So now, Yuri... Lady and Elisa might have a chance to get into the U.S. What did they say about this? Around the time Biden announced this, Yuri started sending me voice memo updates on his situation. He started this WhatsApp group for Cuban asylum seekers. And on that group, they all share information about what they've heard about their asylum cases, what might happen, the laws changing. Sometimes they just complain about how long everything's taking, or they give each other little pep talks. Yuri tells everyone to be patient. He doesn't want people showing up at the border, trying to cross in mass and causing some kind of chaos. So he leaves voice messages. He says, be patient, you know, wait. I know it's been a long time. He advises people to sell their things and get their affairs in order, just to get ready to leave. And, and that's what he's been doing, too. And have you heard from Dr. Lady and Elisa? Yeah, around that time that Yuri started leaving me voice memos back in February, Lady and Elisa were also sending me voice messages. They were preparing to leave Juarez, but they also didn't want to get their hopes up. So how did Elisa and Lady say that they are preparing right now in the middle of all this news? Well, the first step in that process is doing a phone interview with the UN. They've been serving this population for years now, right? So it sort of makes sense that they would be helping the U.S. process Remain in Mexico recipients. Yeah. Lady didn't know when the interview would happen or how to prepare for it. And then one day, about two weeks ago, they called her out of the blue. Then they told her that the next step would be for her to wait for another phone call. They didn't tell her when that phone call would come. But then on March 3rd, I got a voicemail from Lady. She was in a shelter run by the UN. And they were giving her a COVID test. And she said that if she tested negative, she could enter the U.S. 
Still, this process of bringing MPP recipients into the U.S. is so opaque. It was unclear if she was going to cross that day or in another week. Then I got another voicemail a couple hours later, this time from Elisa. She said that Lady had crossed into the U.S. Whoa, wait, so... It- Okay, I feel like I'm surprised by this. Uh, Is she in the U.S. then? Yeah, actually, she got to cross into the United States yesterday. Holy shit. So yesterday, meaning March 4th? Estoy aquí en el Puente Internacional Paso del Norte, donde acaban de llegar 28 nuevas personas solicitantes de asilo político. That day at the border crossing, there was an independent journalist there named Yure Torrea, and she's live streaming these border crossings of MPP folks who get to go to the United States. Entre ellas eh, va la cubana, la doctora cubana del Hotel Filtro, una gran mujer que ha estado ayudando a personas migrantes. She knows Lady, and she's waiting for her to get off the bus. She gives her a little shout-out. She calls her a local celebrity and thanks her for helping so many migrants. Hey, ladies, ¿cómo estás? Contenta. <laughs> and then Lady walks by, and she's wearing two masks, so you can't see her face. You can only see her eyes. But she says hi to the journalist and gives her a big thumbs up. Okay, and what about the others? It's March 5th, and Elisa is still waiting for her second phone call from the U.N. So I've tried to get on the phone with her a couple of times, but she won't talk to me because she doesn't want to tie up the line. Whoa, she won't even take a call while she's waiting? Yeah. And Yuri is still waiting. He, he was able to register, but he hasn't even had his first phone call yet. So he said a lot of people are in that same situation where they're waiting and they don't know, they don't have a date. So, what now? So, ladies in the U.S., she's still in Texas. She just left me a message saying she's waiting to see when she can go to Tampa and be reunited with her family. Como que no me lo creía. Fueron mucha, muchos sentimientos encontrados. She sounds like she's still in shock. Like, she still can't believe that she's in the United States and that this is actually happening. But she's still waiting to hear what's going to happen with her asylum case. At this moment, it's unclear whether she'll be granted asylum. Right. If you think about all the different classifications that make up the U.S.'s immigration policy, asylum cases are really just a small part of that. And the asylum court system is super backed up, like a years-long backlog. The Biden administration announced they would let in 300 MPP cases a day. But so far, it's only been about 15 or 25 from what we've seen. So it's going to take a while to get through that backlog of people who've been waiting this whole time. There's still thousands of refugees in Juarez, in Tijuana, Matamoros, these border towns in Mexico. They're still waiting to get into the U.S. and find out what's going to happen with their MPP cases. And these Remain in Mexico cases are probably the easiest to work through because they're already in the system. They've had court dates. They're in regular contact with the government. But there are still more than 10 million people without legal status in the United States. And this country still needs to figure out what to do with those cases. We also know that lots of people arrive in Mexico every day. So we're still waiting to see how the Biden administration will handle these new asylum cases.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Remember when we thought tech would save the world? Now we fear it may bring about the end times. But we don't have to live in the futures we see in Terminator, Black Mirror, or Westworld. We can choose a different path where instead of being used by tech, we use tech to bolster our individual participation, to strengthen our relationships, to help us flex our collective power. So season three of How to Citizen with Baratunde, it's all about tech. Launching October 14th, we will bring you the people building things with technology that go beyond just revenue and user growth. They empower us to citizen. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus. And there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of imperial Russia, to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Alicia Fernandez and Irving Gonzalez and to the National Geographic Society COVID-19 Emergency Fund for Journalists, which funded Lisette's reporting for this episode. You can read more of Lisette's reporting on our website, vice.com, and check out her book, La Paloma, about two Cuban women she followed through 13 countries on their way to seek refuge in the U.S. You can find that on her site, lisettepool.com. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan, Sophie Cases, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. 
Janet Lee, the Senior Production Manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki E. Tor. I'm Ariel Zemros. I know podcasts hosts say this constantly, but quite seriously, please rate and review the pod. It really helps other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Imagine your favorite color. Is it the deep marine blue of a mussel shell? The charming pink of a summer iced float? Or a soft gray oyster bed stretched across a strand? Each color has a purpose and a story. Find your favorite color among Color Trend's vast range of Irish-inspired collections. Visit colortrend.ie to find your local store. Color Trend. Infinite color from Ireland. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. We used to think tech would save the world. Now, we fear tech will destroy it. But we don't have to live in the future we see in Black Mirror. In Season 3 of How to Citizen with Baratunde, we'll show you a world where tech empowers us to citizen. Launching October 14th, listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.